you know, Super Bowl ads are very much just like, let me get celebrities in here, whether the creative makes sense or not. I just want to flex a celebrity next to my brand and have you guys talk about it on Twitter. For me, that's what a Super Bowl ad is. Episode four, season three. We're in it. We're here, Malik. We are back. It's February. We got through January. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. I always feel like January is like the longest month of the year without a doubt it's probably because one we're still in the pandemic news flash but also it's just gloomy it's cold you don't really want to go outside and obviously we can't really go outside too too much right now so it just makes it feel that much longer but shout out to everyone who made it through january it's uh it's a tough month and this one felt a lot longer Facts. Yeah, I think that's the case literally every year. It's just January. You come off the holidays, right? Like even if you're not in a pandemic, you come off the holidays, you're back to like work or back to school and it just takes a while to, you know, really sink in. So that's why it always feels longer. But we back. We got another good episode ahead of us. Uh, Of course. You know, it's the Super you know, not the Super Bowl anymore. Super Bowl weekend just passed. Yesterday. Um, Yeah, I mean, did you watch it at all? (laughs) <laughs> uh i i yeah not really i watched it on twitter if <laughs> i was gonna try to cap for a second but you know, there's no point you know um i watch it on twitter so i see kind of highlights as to what happens obviously the ads is something we're gonna get into but that's something i watch on twitter as well um what about you were you like into the actual game aside from the ads uh i mean like it was a it was a decent matchup i mean i thought like I didn't really – I'm not a football guy. Uh, I'm sure. not super into football. So I, I watched it because it was like Mahomes versus Brady, which is like a big matchup. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was kind of – it wasn't – it was just kind of boring. It was okay. It was just – I saw right. people I saw people talking about that. Like uh, Magic Johnson, he tweeted, yeah, I already stopped watching the game because it was boring. I'm like, oh, man, you're actually going to say that publicly? Yeah, I mean, we watched the the halftime show. Is it was okay? Like it wasn't, sure. wasn't bad at all. Um, the weekend put on a good performance. Shout out to Anika. money too. Like it, it, like he paid to do that. And I was, <laughs> and this isn't even one of our topics. But when um, when I saw that he made the announcement that he was going to put like it was like seven million dollars or nine million dollars, some somewhere in that range. Of his yeah, own yeah. money towards the Super Bowl halftime show because he wanted to make it like what he wanted kind of thing. I was expecting mm-hmm. a lot more. I'm not gonna lie. I was, <laughs> I was like, this just seems like a pretty typical halftime performance. You know what I mean? It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, wow, you know, you spent nine million dollars, seven million dollars on this performance alone when the NFL yeah. was like. Sweet. That's totally that was gonna be our budget anyways. So Yeah, I think the big part for me was just like the Toronto moment of like this guy came from singing on young and dundas like square to like, you know, at the Super Bowl performing. I don't think it was a memorable performance per se. Like there are a bunch of memes that come from it, obviously, like when he's stumbling in the in the the room and all that, but 
yeah, I don't think it's going to be like one of the greatest Super Bowl performances. Definitely. No. Uh, and like, you know what? Like, I will give them a shout out. I'll give them the props on like the whole Canadian thing because that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We love it's to huge. see it. Yeah. But yeah, it was just all right. Like, it wasn't, uh, you know, when you said it best, it's not really going to be a memorable performance, but the. What's memorable about it is that the fact that, you know, he's a Canadian headlining, you know, one of the biggest events in North America. So, you know, you got to give him props to that. Definitely, definitely. But anyway, you know, we're here to talk about, you know, advertising, marketing. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have to get into the Super Bowl ads. And before before we, you know, you give your opinion, uh, we mentioned last episode that we were going to talk about some good things that we liked on this episode. So let's start off by saying ads that we liked or an ad that we liked before we get into our overall opinion. How about that? Good memory. Good memory. Because I was like, <laughs> oh, no. No, that's okay. Uh, you know what? I thought, I'm not going to lie, like not a lot of them stood out. But what I thought the ones, it was kind of like a typical Super Bowl ad type segment for yeah. me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One of the right. ones that stood out to me the most was uh, the Amazon one with Michael B. Jordan. Same. It's a, it's just a good ad. It was like you know, and when you have access to the you know, those types of budget, that type of production, like the expectation is obviously really high, which is why you know Super Bowl advertising is so um, high and mighty in the ad compu- uh, community. Mm-hmm. Um, the ad, you know, uh, is about you know these you know the people at the Amazon office. They design the new Alexa device or whatever it's called, whatever the Amazon Google Home equivalent is. <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to Google, Google Home. Um, yeah. And it was like, it's basically like if Michael B. Jordan was the the device and like it's kind of just like a funny juxtaposition, if that's the right word, of like showing him throughout the spot and like obviously like the characters in the spot. Like Michael B. Jordan's like a... A very very good looking man, <laughs> and they play. You could say that, yeah, 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 yeah. The people, a lot of people say him and I look alike, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> which part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I won't spoil the ad. Uh, watch it yourself; it's really funny. Plays into his his good looks, his charm. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was a good ad, funny ad, memorable, uh, which is important, and you know. Amazon is uh, top of mind these days as well. So I thought they did a good job of just making a funny Super Bowl ad to kind of take the the lighter approach. I remember last conversation we had in our last episode was like, what's the tone going to be like? What's, uh, you know, how yeah. is it going to, how's it going to feel? Or is it going to be more serious? I'm kind of glad that they just peppered in like a lot of, um, you know, entertainment style ads that you typically get in the Super Bowl. So that one was my favorite. What about yours? Man, you actually stole my favorite. That actually was my favorite. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in terms of like just funny humor. Like I I, I watched that ad and I chuckled. I laughed. Yeah. You know what I mean? In terms of the best like commercial for me, like even just agnostic of the Super Bowl, but the best commercial that ran was actually indeed funny enough for me. Ooh. Um, this was kind of like their first Super Bowl ad. Um, and it was just tugging on the emotional side of like the emotional process of getting a job and then looking for a job and showing that how expansive they are as a platform from the teenager looking for their first job to like, 
you graduating mm-hmm. university and looking for your job to like the senior person that just wants a job because they want like to work again to mm-hmm. the pregnant mom that like needs work. You know what I mean? They, just how they yeah, cover yeah, yeah. every single type of person, whether you think that's true or not with indeed. I just like, I don't know. I watched it and I'm like, I, I quite like the strategy behind that. I quite yeah. like how that was put together, you know? Yeah. It's kind of nice how it's like, that's one thing too with, with recruitment app platform type, you know, situations like LinkedIn or indeed any of those, I feel like yeah. I've gotten so used to seeing like the, the guys in the boardroom, like they're very corporate, like holding up the phone and being like, I just got a new notification from indeed, like that kind <laughs> of person, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And right. I think they did a good job of realizing and playing into the fact that like, listen, this is a time where a lot of people, unfortunately, are losing their jobs, probably looking for a lot of work. Like this is kind of exactly. like a back year, knock on wood for a lot of people. And, you know, playing into that and, you know, drawing on the the emotion of that as well and, and telling that story is something that's, you know, I would agree is, is impactful. You don't really get a yeah, lot absolutely. of ads like that in in the, you know, in the Super Bowl, I would argue. Because it's kind of like over the top. So I would say like from an entertainment standpoint, I think the Michael B. Jordan one was, or the Amazon one was pretty funny. But from like an actual serious ad standpoint, like that's kind of legit. And I feel like the difference between those two ads is like the Indeed one really works as kind of like a standalone ad. That could, that ad could air at any time. Anytime. But the um amazon one yeah it was funny but is it funny because michael b jordan's in it and he's a a very attractive man like that definitely has a factor into like the humor in that ad too because you replace him with just like another jacked guy then i was gonna say and it wouldn't work is it that funny like that's just like a typical you know suburban mom type ad you know what i mean it's just it's not really it's funny for what it was but effectiveness yeah and you know longevity things you have to evaluate yeah and we were even kind of like talking about that in the group chat that you know super bowl ads are very much just like let me get celebrities in here whether the creative makes sense or not i just want to flex a celebrity next to my brand and have you guys talk about it on twitter yeah. for me that's what a super bowl ad is for the most part yeah like if you look at the state farm ad with drake like the whole ad is centered around Drake. It has nothing to do to do with State Farm, you know? So it's yeah. trending for Drake and it will live and die by with Drake, you know? Like more yeah. people aren't gonna go to State Farm because Drake was in the Super Bowl ad. Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're you right know? on that. And like, you know, that's how you can really gauge the effect of this. And like we've had this conversation for years, literally for years. Oh, yeah. Are Super Bowl ads effective? What is like you know what I mean? I feel like do you, do you sorry to cut you off but you you can get um do you remember how we do you remember when we did that at humber as like a debate project yeah so, <laughs> i think it was me versus you or we we're in the same group or whatever but it was yeah. like our super bowl ads effective and then you had to argue one side versus the other yeah um, I, I can't <laughs> i can't remember where i stood on that one me neither but me neither, i would yeah. say my opinion has probably changed quite a bit because i i don't feel like I feel like Super Bowl ads are just like places like a a time of year where like the big boys can come out and and play. You know what I mean? There's very little like 
small business ads out there. Like there's very little, you know, you always just get like the big brands, like the Coca-Cola's or the Amazon's or the Indeed's or like, you know, the established. Yeah. You're going to know every brand. Exactly. State Farm, like all those ones where it's like, okay, cool. But like, how effective is it really in the long term? Because they're probably running a shit ton of other ads throughout the year anyways, as a brand that size. So like, how do you truly measure the effectiveness? Because like the production budget on those and the media alone is probably, I don't even know how much that is, but I'm going to guess like at least 15 million, 20 million, which is like, you know, that's not based in any statistics or numbers or anything like that. It just, I would assume that's how much it costs with both media and production included, but oh, both, yeah, yeah, right, all right. that for all that for like some celebrity talent, and I don't know. I, I my opinion seemingly changes year to year, but you know what it is, man. I think it's just entirely brand perception. Like these are brands that can fork over fifteen million on an ad just so yeah. they can be talked about and be remembered. I don't think the point of like any of these ads is like, okay, what's the ROI? Like are we gonna sell more in a month or what? I don't think they're looking at that metric whatsoever. It's like, can we trend and can we stand amongst the big boys, like you say? Yeah. You know, like if I'm if I'm indeed like I want to stand up next to Coca-Cola and Amazon, you know? People might not look at our brands as um, on the same level, but like, hey, I made it to the Super Bowl too. So yeah. now you got to talk to me in the same conversation, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, no, you you said it best. It's They're probably not even looking. It's just buying space. And the, the space is just way more expensive during those, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> one, two hour period. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I'm curious about is do you think people – regular people care about the ads as much as people are connected to advertising and marketing? Absolutely not. Like no one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, people in advertising are glued to the Super Bowl because they want to be entertained with shit that exists in their industry. It's like, like I said, like the Super Bowl is like the Christmas of, uh, you know, of the advertising world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which is like really sad, but like, it is what it is. But it's like, I don't, I think regular people like take away more maybe because they're not indicted with it. I don't know. Like it's a a tough question for me to answer because like, I just really don't know, but I know that people who are invested in advertising absolutely care way more about the ads than like the average, like these regular people, you know what I mean? When it's like the regular people that they're trying to hit the most. I think they I think they look at it differently. Like I think when we not even me that much, but like I think if you're more so ingrained in doing that stuff day to day, like advertising strategy, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, what was the message there? What was the and you yeah. try to dissect it, the brief and all of that versus yeah. regular people watching it. They're like, oh, Drake, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, that was funny. Oh, that wasn't funny. Let me talk about why that wasn't funny. You know, yeah, like people are still talking about it, but the conversations are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Well, it's like, you you can kind of say that with any industry. It's like if... I guess so, yeah. You know what I mean? If you're if you're surrounded by something all the time, like you're going to be a little bit more of like an expert, quote unquote, um, which makes that side of things a lot more appealing or entertaining, let's say. Appealing, I don't know if it's the right word. 
Yeah, it's like if you're like a if you work in film, every time you watch a movie, you just dissect it differently yeah, than and it's watching like, it and saying, "Oh, that was cool." <laughs> you're, you're sitting with like the film major in the movie theater, yeah. and like, breaking down every scene. It's like, shut up, man! Yeah. Like, you're just trying to watch it. That's how I feel. Like probably my advertising friends 100%. are around me. You know what I mean? And it's like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I don't know if there's too much to talk about, like ad by ad. Like, I think there was a collection in terms of tone. Like, there were some that were more emotional, some that were just pure humor, some that touched on kind of the COVID situation and COVID awareness. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we predicted that it was just going to be a plethora of different kind of tones across across the board. Yeah. It always like, is. You know what? Anything. There were some that were fun, some that were more somber. You know, it's your, it was your typical mix. You know what I mean? And if you're mm-hmm. listening to this right now, tell us what your favorite Super Bowl ad was. And we'll also have like an Instagram poll or something going for this so you can respond on that. But if you're listening, let us know what your favorite one is. Yes, sir. Or was, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> and did yeah. you think the weekend had a stellar performance? <laughs> Here's another one for Autica out there. <laughs> you think oh, that Lady Gaga is a bigger celebrity or a bigger superstar than The Weeknd? Comment below. That's an anecdote for me. Let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, recently kind of switching gears a little bit. The Super Bowl was great, um, you know, but in the general world of advertising marketing uh, in Canada, there was a research um, study that was done over the last few months um, by some of our good friends, uh, one of which has been on the show. Um, Josh Richards, Chasson Gracie um, put together a study um, for, on people of color in the marketing and advertising industry. Uh, and they presented those findings last week, which was really, you know, not, I don't want to say it was eye opening because I feel like this was like such a prolific study. This was such an important study that had to be done, especially following the events from last summer. Um, yeah. but really the focus was really to, you know, provide a bit more insight into the world of what it's like to be someone of color, uh, in the advertising industry. And I'll read you a stat here. Right. Uh, you know, they said that, you know, uh, over 50 percent of BIPOC individuals have reported discrimination in their workplace. So um, the specifics of the study will link um, in uh, in the episode as well. But so you can kind of see how these numbers are broken out. Uh, and another interesting stat here was that and I'll quote the study itself is problems appear more pronounced on the client side than in agencies. 40% of those working client side reported experiencing harassment compared to 28% in agencies. Both are very telling numbers. Mm-hmm. Both are, are numbers that I don't think are a surprise to me. But what do you think? Zero, zero, zero surprise across, across the board. Um, just kind of reading this over again. But the thing is, the yeah, thing you is- know. Well, the thing is about this study, too, is that, like, what was really important about it to me um, was when I was listening to Josh and um, and the guys talk, they said, the, this is from the people who work in your agency. So on the line were, you know, people across our entire advertising industry, you know, working yeah. at different agencies, working at different companies, different brands, all that kind of stuff. 
and probably a lot of senior people were on the call, like people who need to to see these numbers, frankly. Yeah. Um, and you know, what was what one of the things that stood out to me the most was the way that we said or the way that they said, these are the people who work in your companies and your agencies and all that kind of stuff, because it makes it a little bit more personal. It makes it not like, it's not like, you know, when you read like a, a study or something like that and you just see statistics and they're almost kind of like surface level, you're like, okay, that's what it is. That's what the numbers are, whatever. But when you tell yeah, it from yeah. the perspective of like, man, like this is what's happened. This is what's going on in your own workplace. And this is what, how the people of color who are working for your companies, this is how they feel. So crafting the storyline around that angle like that. to me. And while it yeah. seemed kind of like, it wasn't like something that they, that they really touched on a lot. It was just one of those statements that jumped out to me because it was kind of like, yeah, like this gives the people who are running the industry a bit of the insight as to, Hey, this is you guys got to fix some things here because if we're saying that you know 50 percent of people uh, have reported discrimination is crazy think of how many haven't reported and you know or you know 40 percent of you know people working in client side experience harassment 40 percent's a lot you know what i mean and Absolutely. i don't i don't yeah. have the exact number of the total amount of people that this was um you know, uh, you know, the people who took the study, but at the same time, it's also like, you have to realize that of the few BIPOC people or population that exists in this industry already, it's a pretty telling sign to, to show that like, you know, if you're Most an executive, are going through it. Exactly. If you're, if you're an executive at one of these agencies and you're walking around and you see a black guy, one of your black employees just, you know, doing some work, you know that this person has felt uncomfortable by shit that's happened at your agency. And that's all Which, you... like, I think people don't um, put enough weight into that. Like, think yeah. about how that can change the way you show up to work and, you know, produce work. Like, if you have none of those things to worry about, you just have to focus on your work. Now, if you have to focus on being discriminated against and these, like, comments here and there and you know, clients being disrespectful and stuff like that, like that adds a weight to you. And oftentimes it chases people out of the industry because they're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. The higher up I get. And yeah. And that stops having, you know, diversity across every level. Yeah. Which I think is like super, a serious super issue. important. Yeah. Because yeah. as people, as people move up in the industry, you kind of see, you know, I've experienced myself. You yeah. get to a point where like you start looking above and you're like, there's not really a lot of people like me. And the fact that this many people are reporting discrimination or experiencing, you know, frustrations with how they're being treated or, you know, it just makes it, it makes it harder for someone to want to continue to be in that industry. And that's why we're, you know, moving at a snail's pace to, to make change. And it's tough, but it, mm -hmm. this, this study was so important. And I think it reinforced to hopefully advertising executives and leaders in the industry that like, sometimes you got to give up your seat and like, you know, right. it's, it, you know, it's not always about like, Oh, how can I craft the industry? Or how can I do this? Like, yeah, your influence is important, but it's also just like, sometimes you got to honor and listen to the opinions of the people who are being 
oppressed in this industry or being discriminated against in this industry and realize that like their perspective is what's really going to be able to make change or affect change, I should say, um, you know, across the board. Right. And, you know, it's again, like I want to, I don't, I can't say enough about the guys who put this together because it was just, as I was listening to it, none of this was really shocking me. And like, I felt like afterwards I, and this is when I knew that, you know, I, not this moment specifically, but this was a, a moment where I was like, okay, like we're, we still got a long way to go is when I see people on LinkedIn posting it afterwards and the follow up being like, wow, like these, this was such an eye opening experience, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, thank you to the guys who did the study, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not really, it, it's eye opening to the people who like don't experience this stuff and don't have, don't to, have to think about and it. And they can just yeah. turn a blind eye and say, okay, this was like something where it's like, we need to, we need to do something about this. And, you know, I feel like the guys did a really good job of presenting the information in a way that will be eye opening to people who so desperately need to see it. But it's also kind of reinforced my own personal beliefs as well in the industry as well, like in terms of the discrimination that people face, like both on the agency side and the client side, microaggressions were a big part of the conversation. And those aren't always super explicit when you yeah, experience yeah. them. You know what I mean? And they cover were there, um Sorry. Go no, no, you go, you go. I was going to say, were there any like kind of key takeaways or like suggestions as to like next steps to follow or was it more so just like um, providing the insights and then having a discussion around that? It was more so providing the insights and having the discussion. But one of the things that I actually chatted with uh, our buddy Josh after was like, what is the follow up here? And, you know, where do we go from here? And I think that that's now that we have the data the work has been done to pull all this together to form proper insights and, you know, to get the numbers out there, because I think that's a very important first step for a lot mm-hmm. of places. Um, now that we have access to that, we can use this as kind of like a, a way for us to develop next steps. And, you know, the takeaways from this will ultimately determine how we move forward with it. But yeah. it's, uh, you know, I, I told Josh after it's like, let's, you know, let's do this study again. <laughs> well you know what, what let's do this in in five years and see where we're at this is like what they said on the call was like this is like a, a measuring stick to show where we at Definitely. where we're at, yeah. at as in advertising marketing industry this is where we're at this is a benchmark this is like here are the numbers like what, what yeah. else do you want us to do and you know as two and more a lot of people went into uh, you know did a lot of effort and, and worked on this study majority of them were BIPOC talent. So this is quite literally your <laughs> professional experts saying, yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Problem. We got a, yeah. we got a lot of work to do. And you know, I'm I, I took part in the study. I'm I'm proud because I, you know, I need to get my opinions out there and you know my experiences out there. And however we can do that to shape the future of the industry is, you know, I hundred percent want to be a part of that. And you I mean you probably, you know, took some of this in too. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the reason I ask about next steps is because I would hate for an agency leader to come to this presentation um, or, or come to this, uh, this session and, and look at these insights and be, you know, obviously surprised and be like, oh, this is crazy. This could even be within my agency. Leave and maybe like make a LinkedIn post, but not 
do anything afterwards, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the work needed to identify those issues within their own agency, um, whether that's like an internal anonymous survey or something like that to find out if like their actual employees are going through this. Yeah. And, you know, putting in those resources to help. So, well, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think, you know, Josh and Shasan have to like walk these people's hands through that because I think there's enough resources to understand how to deal with, you know, employee issues. I would hope if you're an agency leader, you would kind of know where to go for that stuff. But I was just yeah. curious if that was even if that was mentioned or touched upon. Well, it's like and you know what, we'll we'll map out the next steps for you right here. If you're an agency leader and you're listening to this, look at the numbers and just envision whenever you have like a black person on your phone or a, a person of color, BIPOC person, you know, on a phone call or anything like that who works at your agency, know that these numbers represent that person, how that person thinks. Yeah. And like see, you know, have it be personal and say, this exists under my roof and things need to change. You know what I mean? You can't look at the numbers and be like, well, it couldn't be this guy. He's yeah. So gay. yeah. He, didn't, he didn't, he's never brought any of this stuff up. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, take a look at that and use your own understanding of the people that you work with to say, okay, yeah, maybe this person does feel like this. And how can, what can I do to help change that, you know, perception or make these numbers go down a little bit and make sure that everybody is feeling a hundred percent. And I think a lot of that comes with equal representation at all levels, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just kind of a last point on that. Like, I think part of it, too, is just like being aware of what those microaggressions like even look like, because me and you, we know exactly what those mean. But I think there's a lot of people um, that aren't black or aren't, you know, BIPOC that might not really know when that happens. And they think, you know, it's a joke or it's all in good fun and stuff like that. And it's not even clicking in their head. But like after you're kind of presented these are these microaggressions that like affect people in this severe way long term short term whatever it is now your ears in tune to like if i hear that stupid joke or stupid remark like i know that that's actually hurting somebody and that's not something i should that's hurting my staff like exactly you know what i mean and it happens on calls it happens in lunchrooms it happens in creative presentations all the time you know but people miss it yeah and now if if you choose to ignore any further then at what point yeah it's totally on you and what point at what point do you admit that like you're a part of the problem and contributing to the problem by not doing anything about it that's a that's a big takeaway right there absolutely (laughs) that's your takeaway (laughs) so we'll have We'll have more on that because I definitely want to um, kind of stay in the loop with uh, the kind of Pokem stuff and Shasan and Josh and the great work that they're doing. So um, we'll definitely have kind of more to follow. If there's anything we can add to the episode notes, we'll, we'll do that as well. Um, yes, and kind of keep that conversation moving. 100%. Cool. Uh, this one, next one is switching gears a lot. I apologize <laughs> in advance. <laughs> but, <laughs> something I just had to talk about because this is just, it's lighting Twitter up and it's just absolutely hilarious. Hilarious kind of, but it's also very sad. Um, so there's this issue they're calling the Gorilla Glue incident on Twitter. <laughs> so I, I hate that I'm laughing because I'm going to explain it and then we'll, we'll kind of go through the brand's response and, and all of that. But 
basically I'll break it down. So a woman in the U S she started trending from like a TikTok video that she put out. Um, she was using gorilla glue, which is a industrial adhesive pretty much, um, on her head to keep her hair laid down. So she used it accidentally thinking it was another gorilla branded hairspray that isn't industrial. Um, but basically she put something that attaches, uh, like furniture together on her hair and her hair hasn't moved in a month. So she's basically now in the hospital to get the situation fixed. They're pro I don't know what that extraction process is going to look like, but her hair does not move. Like it's stuck to her head, her scalp for the past month. Right. Right. So uh, (laughs) this has been trending for a while, you know, on Twitter. Um, And then she recently opened a lawsuit with the brand. So the brand is called Gorilla Glue. um, And she basically said, you guys mentioned skin and and different body parts, but you don't specifically mention hair. So how was I supposed to know? I couldn't couldn't use this, right? The lawyers were just like, we got to find something. (laughs) We got to find something. So the brand responded today and they basically kind of reinforced the fact that this is like clearly a permanent adhesive that shouldn't be used on your skin or hair, Um, which so I think is interesting. Number one is that the brand has been trending for days. Everyone now knows about Gorilla Glue if you didn't already. Um, And it's trending for doing its intended purpose for being like a strong adhesive solution, but used in the wrong way. So I I was kind of curious. I'm like, how would the brand respond to that? Like, should they kind of like, I don't know if not even endorse, but like, how should they acknowledge the situation that they're probably going to sell more cans now, but like, they're also being sued at the same time. So you can't really, and you can't really make light of the situation either. Cause like she might ruin her scalp for life. So yeah, it's like, how do you respond? You know? Yeah. uh, It's just, you know what? It's one of those things where you look, you know, remember when Tim Hortons like put the, the, the labels on their cups when it's just like, don't like, this is hot. hot one. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know what I mean? like, it's the same kind of thing as that where it's like, okay, like legally this brand has to do like every, everything to make sure that they're covered in case someone uses this like stupidly when it's just like, this is one of those things where you look back and you're like, damn, like people were really dumb. Like we yeah. were really, really stupid because you just, you just, I don't know what needs to be t- told to you. If you're using gorilla glue in your hair, man, like, it's just like, you know, <laughs> I, and it's unfortunate because it's like, listen, like I want this person to be okay. Like, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, like it's somebody's like physical health. But it's also just like, man, like, how can you come at them? Like, this is, but regardless, responding as a brand is like pretty tricky in situations like this. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Uh, Member Futures album, Dirty Sprite 2. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. You, know I mean? you can't, like, like, you know what I mean? It's can't, like, yeah, it's a good point. It's, a good point. it's like Dirty Sprite 2 is an album that Future came out with, like, uh, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago. And like, Dirty Sprite refers to like when they put like, promethazine syrup in you know right <laughs> and you know it's kind of like lean sort of thing like i never thought we'd talk about this on a podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going, keep it's, going. Like, <laughs> it's not good like it's like obviously like a very addictive substance as codeine and stuff in it it gets rappers like fucked up in the head but 
if you're a Sprite in this situation, you say, <laughs> man, I don't know what to do because everybody's buying my product because they want to mix it with lean. But like, yeah. I also can't like acknowledge that you shouldn't do this because it kind of goes against <laughs> you. You know what I mean? It's a tricky way to respond. But yeah. going back to Gorilla Glue, I think that all you can do is just continue to reinforce and say, this is not meant for this. It's meant for this. It actually kind of, you know, maybe when this blows over, like, uh, you know, in time, maybe next year or something like that, they'll come out with an ad that's focused on, you know, insights around that where it's just like, I can use Gorilla Glue to, you know, put it in my hair. And then it's like, do not do that. Like kind of like as a joke. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing, like Gorilla Glue is like a brand that like no one needs to hear from. It's a glue, you know what I mean? But like now they have like a moment to like almost like build a personality off this. Like I think obviously they should wait until she's okay and then they can start. I wouldn't even say poking fun, but yeah, you can start making drafting some kind of humor around the situation where similar to Tide with Tide Pods, you're like, do not eat these products like, yeah 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 you know? it's like you're inadvertently acknowledging that like something stupid had to happen for this ad to be a thing. <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like you can infer that something dumb happened but i don't know if anything it kind of goes to show it's like hey man the brand's promise worked like it's good glue yeah that's what i was thinking man you know and now it's it 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 works <laughs> like, yeah like if i'm in home depot now like and i see gorilla glue and i need any uh, strong yeah, piece, really. like yeah but why why not i just won't put it on my head yeah like <laughs> it's, anyway I, man that was just something that i i had to i had to bring up because that's like it's go- ongoing right now we'll give you guys an update in terms of where this lawsuit goes but um yeah you can't turn around and blame them yeah yeah you you have to hold the l on that one unfortunately but anyways oh man um okay on to the next one so this is something i saw like a few weeks ago online but uh this is basically kind of like very black mirror ish but microsoft basically they patented a chat bot that could imitate a deceased loved one celebrity or fictional character using AI. Um, so what that can mean is, you know, uh, basically all the using AI, using artificial intelligence, they can grab all this information about a celebrity, how they speak, how they look and things like that. And then you could interact with that celebrity through a chat bot. Or as well, the other side of that is if there's enough information online about a deceased relative or a deceased loved one, they could almost mirror how that person would talk and you can interact with them via chatbot after they passed. I look at that and I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly how they're going to use it, but based on that pattern, it's like, at what point does tech go too far? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, how do you even use this? You know? Yeah. It's like, it's weird to think about. And remember when we said that we were going to like talk about like the good things this episode, but, yeah, we talked about two in the beginning, and then we were, yeah, then we just said yeah, we we're done. No, but I don't. It's it's to me this is like a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not really like tech is like pushing the boundaries of anything. The way that I see it, it's like people deal with grief in a lot of different ways, and yeah. you know, losing a loved one is like very very tough to do. Um, you know, or tough to have happened to you, I should say. And, you know, 
if someone were given an opportunity to be able to like speak to you know that person again even if it's not that person kind of thing like that might help them deal with the feelings of loss and mourning and all that kind of stuff so like i have you seen black that black mirror episode no so this scenario is basically um taking it a step further so you could actually have a uh, like a live mannequin version of this person. Like they bring that person back to life through like a mannequin form. Um, so it'd basically be this chat bot in the future. If they could turn that into an actual speaking person, that's like a replica of the deceased loved one. So I think a lot of people see these things and they don't necessarily think that it's like crazy yet, but you kind of envision 15 years from now like if you keep going down that path what's that going to look like yeah does that mean like a deceased loved one is going to come back to life through a mannequin like how do we feel yeah it'd be some kind of robot it's it's weird man like it's it's you know i think to your point like the precedent is much bigger than what it is right now you know what i mean because i see it's like oh if i wanted to talk to you know a loved one who'd passed and i'm having a tough time like i'd be able to do it but understand that like it's not actually them. Like it's not actually that person, but it's like, it's just a artificial version, but it's like, what does that mean for later on? Like, it's kind of, it's kind of a little creepy to be honest, because it's like me personally, I, I don't know if I would ever use one of these things because it's like at the end of the day, like it kind of changes, it might change like your perception of who that person is or what that person meant to you kind of thing. If you're talking to them as like yeah. a robot kind of thing. And I'm sure like, technology can actually help make them into make it feel real and make it feel like an actual person but at the end of the day like the moment that this thing doesn't interact with you the way that you're expecting kind of makes you realize it's like a reality check and be like oh yeah this person actually is gone it's yeah. uh i don't know i'd say like pros even and like cons. yeah pros Go and ahead. Cons. i was gonna say pros and cons are like uh it's good probably to help people who are having a tough time with a loss but the cons are like the lasting effects of what that could mean on how we treat dead people and how we honor dead people could completely change. Yeah. And like the pattern is like deceased loved ones, celebrity or fictional characters. So for all we know, they could not do the deceased loved one and just go with the celebrity or something like that. But even then, I, I think it's like, it's a little weird. It's a little delusional to just have someone like talk to a celebrity um and then you're mimicking kind of how they would respond uh i guess yeah. it's kind of like those action figures where you push the button but like times 30 because there's real responses based on what you're saying i yeah. just think it's 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 an odd way that we're treating kind of technology yeah. but, like, i'm a old fashioned person where it's like you know you lose the people that you love eventually in life and that teaches you a certain lesson and you know you'll cherish the memories that you have of them you know in your brain versus like trying to recreate it when it'll never be the same on facebook chat or so well it's microsoft but i don't <laughs> yeah. even know what it would be but like... facebook chat is so <laughs> Man, this has been a weird one. We had so many weird topics this episode, but we um, jumped around, man. We jumped around this episode. Hundred percent. Still a good one, nonetheless. We covered a lot. Um, you know, we're gonna have a few polls on on IG about the kind of 
um, Super Bowl stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll talk about Lady Gaga versus The Weeknd. Shout out to Monica one more <laughs> time. <laughs> um, but if anyone has any, <laughs> if anyone has any topics, any you know suggestions, even for guests that you'd like to see on the podcast, hit us up on Instagram, the underscore Madmix. Same Earl on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just uh, get in touch, and we will see you guys next time. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.